My name's John Redman from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. And on today's program, we're going to be thinking about trouble and what to do when trouble comes into our lives. Now, I don't know where you might be listening from today or what you might be going through, but I know this, the odds are you're facing trouble of some kind. The reason I know that is Jesus said, in this world, you will have trials and tribulation. You will have trouble. And so trouble is just a part of the human experience. And I hope you're not facing anything too bad right now, but I know this, in life we do face things that are difficult and painful and hard. Now today on the sermon that we're going to be listening to, we're going to be seeing how the disciples found themselves in trouble one day, or one night actually, out on the Sea of Galilee. They got in a terrible storm, and they thought that their little boat was going to sink and they thought that they were going to drown, and it was a frightening time for them. And as we read this story from the Gospel of John, and if you have your Bible today, I would encourage you to take it and open it to John chapter 6. We'll be looking at some of the verses there. I just pray that God would be pleased to speak to you today and to encourage you in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of your storm, and that God would help you to understand that Uh, He's going to help you to get to the other side of the lake, as it were. He's going to get you through this trouble and through this trial and through this storm. And so I pray today that this message will be a blessing to you. I think we would all agree that if we have a handful of friends, we are blessed people. You believe that? I mean, if you have friends, I look at my life and I think God has been so good to me because all through my life, at every season of my life, I have had good friends, childhood friends, teenage friends, college friends, seminary friends, Pasadena friends. Many of you are my friends. Some of you I have known a long, long time. And many of you I consider some of my closest friends. Some of you, I look around today, I see your faces. I don't know you. I've not met you yet. I look at you as a potential friend. You might be a friend. I don't know. It depends if you're cool. It depends if you're how nice you might be. But one of my first friends was a guy named Matt Sarton. He and I grew up together in Tennessee and good friend. I was back there a year ago preaching in that church, and after one of the services, he and I were kind of in the lobby area just talking, catching up on old times, and this other guy walks up, and he said to me, he said, John, do you remember me? And I've been gone from there a long time, and I said, well, I'm not sure if I do or not. I said, what's your name? He said, my name is Jimmy Reynolds, and we went to kindergarten together. Well, when he said Jimmy Reynolds in kindergarten, my mind, you know, we looked differently than we did then, but my mind went back to that. Back in the 70s, we went to uh, the only kindergarten in that little town was at at the Methodist church, and so we went to the Methodist church kindergarten, and that's where Jimmy Reynolds and I met. He said, John, do you remember what happened on the first day of kindergarten? I said, no, what happened? He said, well, I never will forget it, he said, as long as I live. He said, your mother dropped you off at kindergarten, and you were so sad, you cried like a baby. I've never seen anything like it in my... He said, it was pitiful to see you at five or six years of age crying like that. And uh, he said, do you remember that? I said, no, Jimmy, but thanks for reminding me. I appreciate putting that back in my mind. He said, I've never 
saw, he said, it was just horrible how you were such a mama's boy at that time. And he said, uh, but I took you under my wings and by mid-morning snack, you were okay. You were doing better. But I thought, what a friend. Now today, I want to do something a little bit interesting. I want to define what makes a friend a good friend. And as you think about your so-called friends or your acquaintances, you can ask yourself this question, are my friends really friends? Are they good for me or are they bad for me? A friend is somebody who brings out the best in you. In other words, a true friend is somebody when you're around them, you want to be better. You want to do right. They bring out the best in you. And a friend is somebody who helps you to be closer to God. That's what a true friend does. Now, if that is the definition or the description of a true friend, I want to introduce you today to a friend. I guarantee you, all of, every one of you out there have this friend in your life. You probably have not thought of him as a friend, but you have this person in your life. In fact, more than likely, you have thought of this person not as a friend, but as an enemy. Not as somebody to be embraced, but as somebody to be avoided. You say, John, who is this person? Who is this friend? This friend's name is Trouble. Why is trouble your friend? Because trouble has within himself the ability, if you'll respond properly, to bringing out the best in you. And trouble has within himself the ability, if you'll respond properly, if you'll know how to handle trouble, trouble can help you to get closer to God in your life. And I'm saying to you that trouble is one of the best friends that God has ever brought into your life. There's an old poem, maybe you've heard of it, but the background of this poem is there was a man who went on a walk one day with a person named Pleasure. And they had a walk, and they walked, and they walked, and they walked. And then a little later, this same man went on a walk with somebody named Sorrow. And they walked on, and they had their time together. And so when this man got back to his house from having walked with pleasure and having walked with sorrow, he decided to write a poem about his experience. And here's what he said. I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and not a word said she. But oh, the things I learned from sorrow when sorrow walked with me. Isn't that true in all of our lives? We look back on our lives. We've had pleasure. We've had sorrow. We're thankful for the pleasure. But we look back on the sorrow and the trouble and we say somehow that seems to have been the time. Those seem to have been the seasons when I have grown, when I have become a better person, when I have become more like God, when my faith has been increased, when my character has been purified and been refined. And so trouble is our friend. Now, if you'll open your Bibles today to the Gospel of John, chapter number 6. We're working our way through this book, and today we come to the story about how the disciples got out there on that Sea of Galilee, and they got into some trouble. And for them, their trouble was in the form of a storm. It's interesting. We read about this in Matthew and in Mark and in John. And if you take all the accounts and put them together, here's basically what you come up with. After Jesus had fed the multitudes, after he had fed those Fifteen to 20,000 people with five pieces of bread and two fish, as we looked at last Sunday, Jesus got his disciples together, and he said to them, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get in this little boat, and I want you to sail across the Sea of Galilee, not completely across it like we would think, like uh, going to the opposite direction, but just kind of sail from this port 
to that port kind of over there. We'll just let that exit sign back there be about what was represented in this trip. They weren't going all the way across it. They were just going in this direction. So they got in the boat, and they started sailing in that direction. And you know the story. They hadn't been out there too awfully long when they encountered a terrible storm. I mean bad. It was dark, and it was windy, and the storm was going, and the waves were up in the boat, and the thunder, and the lightning, and all the rain coming down. And it was really a scary experience. And the disciples thought that they were going to drown. They were going to die out there. And about this time, they looked up, and here comes somebody. They didn't know who it was at the time. It was Jesus walking to them on top of that water. And he got into the boat, and he got into the boat, and then they got to the other side, and it had a very happy ending. But if you and I had been on that boat with those disciples in that storm, not knowing how it was going to end, we, like they, would have been scared to death. And this is what we read about in John chapter 6. In fact, as I was thinking about this storm, and I was thinking about the storms that we go through in our lives, and I thought, God, what would be some words that I could use to just kind of summarize that storm? You might want to jot some of these down. First, the first word that came to my mind is the word turbulence. Turbulence, because the gospel accounts make it very clear that this was a turbulent time. Their boat was being rocked back and forth and all that, and so it was turbulent. The second word is the word darkness, because darkness was part of what made this storm so bad. In fact, in John 6, look in verse 16. Now, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, that's the Sea of Galilee, and got into the boat and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. And so here they are, turbulent weather, dark, they can't really see what's happening. And then a third description I thought of, think about this storm, it just wouldn't end. When you read all the different gospels and put them together, you find that it was between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. when they were in this storm, the darkest part of the night. Now, probably when Jesus had sent them out into the boat to cross the sea, it may have been 7, 8 o'clock because the Bible says it was in the evening time. And now we are several hours later. And they're still out there, and they're straining, and they're, they're struggling, and they're rowing, and, and they're having a very hard time. And the Bible says in, in Mark's gospel, he tells us that when this was going on, the wind was against them. I found that very interesting. The wind was against them. Now think about this. The disciples did exactly what Jesus told them to do. Jesus said, get in the boat and go from here to there. What did they do? They got into the boat. And they started rowing from point A to point B. They started going exactly in the direction Jesus told them to go. No questioning Jesus, no disobeying Jesus, no doubting Jesus, no rebellion against him. They were doing exactly what he said. And as they were doing this, the scripture says the wind was against them. Now, isn't that odd? Wouldn't you think if the disciples had done exactly what Jesus told them to do, that the wind would have been at their back? That God would have said, yes, you're going in the right direction. Yes, you're being obedient to me. Let me send the wind at your back to help you get where you need to be. But that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says just the opposite. It says the wind was against them. The wind was in their face. So much so that the wind blew them off course 
And the Bible says they ended up in the middle of the Sea of Galilee from traveling to where they were, where Jesus had fed the 5,000 to where he told them to go. They wouldn't have gone out into the middle of the sea. If I'm trying to go from here to that exit back there, I'm not going to walk back to the sound booth to get there. I'm going that direction. And yet the wind had blown them into the middle of the sea. And now it's three, four, five, six in the morning. The Bible called it the fourth watch of the night right before the sun comes up. And they're struggling and they're straining. And certainly they're wondering, how in the world did we get in such a mess doing what Jesus told us to do? And the storm just wouldn't end. It just kept going on and on. And as I think about life, their experience experiences in my life and certainly in yours too, I think you would agree. It seems to be during those storms that just won't end. It just seems like it's going on and on and on and on and it just won't end. That is when it is so frustrating. The closest illustration I could think of it was Hurricane Harvey. Remember that night when the hurricane blew through? And about eight or nine o'clock on that Saturday night, it started raining and 10 or 11 o'clock, it really started raining. And by about midnight, it just rained until you didn't think it could rain anymore. And that was when I turned my television on and the meteorologist was showing the, how the high, you know, the high pressure system had it over where this tropical storm was just sitting on top of our town. And he said, folks, it's going to rain like this for six more hours. And then he said to me what was the most, I mean, it was true. He was being honest, but I just thought, man, there had to be a better way to say that. He said, there's nothing we can do about it. I mean, I was hoping he would say, we just sent up a crew. They're going to flip the switch and turn this thing off. And the rain's going, this storm going. He said, there's no, it was hopeless. There's nothing we can do about it. Sometimes in life, that's how it is. We get out there in the middle of the sea, and it's turbulent, and it's dark, and this storm is going on and on and on, and there's no switch to flip. There's nothing we can do about it. And we say, God, I'm in trouble. And then I go to church, and John says, trouble is my friend. And I don't see how trouble is my friend. It looks like trouble is fixing to sink me out here in the middle of this lake. How in the world can trouble be my friend? Well, I want us to think about that today. And the way I want us to begin, I want to give three pieces of advice or three words of encouragement, really, to those of you today who are in trouble. And trouble is something that, that all of us face. And maybe today you're in deep trouble. And so I hope these words of encouragement will be a blessing to you. Number one, you ready for this? Say amen. We'll make sure you're ready. Number one, don't assume that you are out of God's will. Don't assume that you're out of God's will. Think about it. Back to our analogy. We're sailing from here to there, and we end up here in the middle of the sea. Wouldn't it have been easy for those disciples to have said to themselves, we must have misunderstood Jesus. We thought he wanted us to go there. We're, we're farther from there than if we never had left where we were, and we're out here in the middle of the sea. Sometimes if, in life, when things get tough, we, we think to ourselves, well, I must have made a wrong turn. I mean, I, I must have, have made a bad decision. I must have done wrong. Sometimes we make a decision, we get out here doing what we think God wants us to do, and the waters get bumpy, and it gets dark, and we can't see what's going on, and we think, I must have made a mistake. I need to go back to where I started from. Listen, friends, sometimes we get in trouble. Sometimes we encounter a storm, not because we're out of God's will, 
but because we're in God's will. Now, I know that sometimes we get in trouble because of our own free will and our own bad choices, and we, we, make our, we create our own storms. I think about Jonah in the Old Testament. God said, Jonah, go from here to there. Jonah went the opposite direction, and as a result, Jonah got in a bad storm, ended up in the belly of a fish. You know that story. But sometimes we get in storms, not because we've gotten out of God's will, but because we're in God's will. In both Matthew and Mark's gospel, in their account of this story, it says Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. He made them do it. They were in the storm because they were trying to obey. Here the disciples are in a storm on the Sea of Galilee, not because they're out of the will of God, but because they're in the will of God. And I'm saying to you today, that trouble you're facing, that storm you're up against right now, when you say, John, it just seems like if I were in God's will, the wind would be at my back, and now the wind is at my face financially, physically, emotionally, relationally, vocationally, and I just don't understand it. I'm saying to you today, Scripture is saying to us today, it may well be that you are in that storm because you're in the center of of God's will for your life. And God is wanting that storm to do something good in your life. So don't assume that you're out of God's will. Number two, don't assume that God has forgotten you. I think so many times in life when we get in a storm, we just naturally assume that. God has forgotten me. Because if, you know, if God was interested in my case, if God had a good plan for me, he never would have let me get in a, in a mess like this. You see, those disciples on that Sea of Galilee, when it got dark out there and turbulent, they couldn't see Jesus. They were in the middle of the, of the lake. Jesus up on a mountain praying. Now watch this. They couldn't see Jesus, but Jesus could see them. And that's how it is in our lives. You can't always see what God's doing in your life, but that doesn't mean he's not doing something. Somebody has said, just because God is silent... That doesn't mean that God is still. Just because you can't see what God is doing, that doesn't mean that God's not doing anything. Sometimes God does his greatest work, and uh, we don't have any idea what's going on. Let me give you a scripture passage to jot down. Isaiah chapter 49, verses 14 and following. It says, but Zion said, talking about Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem was going through a hard time. And they were in a storm. They were having trouble. And here's what they said. The Lord has forsaken me. And my Lord has forgotten me. Can a, and then God responded to that charge. And God said, can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? And then he said, surely they may forget. So in other words, to God, it was almost unthinkable that a woman could fail to take care of her child. But he, God said, for the sake of the argument, it could happen. But then he said, yet I will not forget you. God said, even if a mother forgets to take care of her child, it's unthinkable, but even if that happens, God said, I promise I will not forget you. I will not abandon you. And in the next verse, he said, see, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Did you know it may be today that God brought you to this service for you to hear this one sentence that I'm about to say, God has not forgotten you. God hasn't forgotten you. He knows where you are. He knows what you're facing. You can't see him, but he can see you. And God is right there with you in the midst of that storm and in the midst of that uh, trouble that you're facing. He has not forgotten you. He hadn't forgotten the disciples and he hasn't forgotten us either. So don't assume that God has forgotten you. Number three, don't assume 
Don't assume that it will always be this way. I mean, those disciples could have thought, well, we're in the storm, and it's going to always be this way, and it's never going to get any better. Well, they would have been wrong because there was a time when Jesus walked across that sea, got into their boat, and it's interesting. In fact, look at verse 21 of John chapter 6. This is an interesting verse here. It says, then they willingly received him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. That's interesting. Immediately the boat was at the land. It doesn't say eventually or, you know, Jesus got in the boat and then he helped them row. And they no, Jesus performed another miracle. This story here is full of miracles. Jesus suspended the law of gravity by walking on water. He suspended the law of nature by speaking to the winds and telling them to calm down. And here he is suspending He is transcending, really, the law of time and space because as soon as he got in that boat, they were at the other side. They were where they were supposed to be. And so what they thought was really a detour out of their way. Look how much time we've lost. Jesus said, yeah, you've lost some time out there, but I'm going to teach you some great truths about me, and I'm going to help you to get to the other side. I'm going to help you to get to where Uh, you need to be. You may be listening today and you may think, you know, John, I've been in some trouble. I've been in a storm and it has cost me some time. It cost the disciples hours. It's cost me months. Maybe you would say it has cost me years. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God restores the years that we have lost. And if in your trying to be obedient to God, or for the, even as far as that's concerned, even if you've been disobedient to God, and you say, man, I've lost some time, I've lost some years, he will restore the years the locusts have eaten. In that passage, those people had been disobedient. They'd gotten out of God's will. God sent locusts, devoured their crops, and then in mercy, after God forgave them, he said, I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. I'll make the time back up to you. I'll get you to that destination. And so be encouraged. God God can immediately change that situation. And God can immediately get you where you need to be. And just because you're out there in that storm and you're out there in that sea and that boat is, is being turned and you can't figure out which way to go or what to do, friend, listen, be encouraged. If God has told you, if it is God's will for your life, to go through that door back there. If that's God's will for your life, even if you're completely on the other side of the auditorium this morning, I'm here to say to you, God, one way or the other, is going to get you through that door. Well, we're going to have to stop right there for today because we're just out of time. But as I think about that story of those disciples out there on that Sea of Galilee with their boat rocking one way and then the other way and the water and the waves coming up into that little boat and how scared they must have been. But you know, everything changed when Jesus got on board. The winds calmed down, the rain stopped falling, the waves became very peaceful, and everything changed. And I think that's how it is in our lives. When Jesus Christ gets on board, everything changes. He has a way of calming our hearts and calming our emotions, calming our nerves and calming our minds. He doesn't always change the outward storm that we might be facing. And you might be facing a storm in your health today or in your family today or in your finances. And certainly we pray that God will calm that storm down, that God will change those circumstances. That would certainly be my prayer for you. That's always my prayer for myself. When I get in a storm, God change the circumstances. And Many times God does, but sometimes God chooses 
chooses not to change the circumstances. He chooses not to calm the waters around us, but he chooses to calm our hearts and our minds and our emotions and our spirits. He chooses to calm our hearts even when the wind keeps on blowing externally. And so today, that's my prayer for you is that God would give you peace in your heart. I would say this to everyone who's listening. If you don't know for sure that Jesus Christ is in your boat, as it were, that he is in your life, that he is in your heart, today would be a wonderful day to receive him by faith. Would you just pray this prayer right now? Say, Lord Jesus, I need you and I ask you to come into my heart, forgive my sins and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me and I trust you to do it. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, he has heard you, he has answered you, he has saved you, he's come into your boat. And that is going to change everything. His presence will change everything. Somebody has said that peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of Jesus. And so now you have Jesus in your heart. I encourage you to trust him. Focus on him and he will continue to give you that peace. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you'll be with us next time.